is Speaking Educationally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard. Where I'm coming from. 15 years into education now, you know, what can I do to create this equitable space? And like, you know, what... And especially for those students um, that look like me and that came from uh, my community, I wanted to be an influencer for them, like for young people. Connect with more people whose mindset and goals. Alright, this is Speaking Educationally with... Uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard. Alright, so here's episode 5, I think, or 6. We're not really keeping score. Um, but this is going to be a special episode because we're going to talk a little bit about the coronavirus. Uh, and I think we decided pre-show that we're going to discuss some of the things that we've come up with locally, like our, in our buildings, as far as plans moving forward, just kind of give you guys some ideas, or at least compare notes. I don't know if anyone wants to go first. I don't mind, but Dina or Gerard, you guys want to take it from there? Um... Go ahead, Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you jump in. You jump in. You jump in. You got to go. Otherwise, I'm going. Um, go, no, go, 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 go. It's just, um, it's uncharted waters for sure. Um, for for our school, we are, we're closed until, we're, we closed off uh, for two weeks, but it's definitely a fluid situation. And um, our district leadership is, um, monitoring it day by day and we get we get updates as um new information becomes available um are you meeting like daily at this point pretty much um remotely but, or every other day yeah it's it's been daily nothing new today but it's been daily ever since uh friday but nothing nothing really new today yeah that's what I've been like too daily. I mean the one thing that we did I mean locally the plans were today we we wanted to get devices to kids to get as much online work as they could get. But also, you know, I kind of stressed the staff we, on Friday, we had to come up with two weeks worth of work for them. Um, not really plans, but just kind of work to kind of things to get, keep them, keep their, keep their brains going. Uh, today we had some books from Riff, um, that we were able to give out to them. Thank goodness for Riff. Um, Navient supports that. And we were able to give every kid a couple of books to go home with them. Um, as well as just, you know, some smiles, like they came up with the kids and like, about 75% of our families came with the kids in the car. We, they, you know, roll the window down, say hi, you know, and um, that was really nice. That was a really nice kind of community moment today. And just to try to check in with people and check their pulse, it was good. So what you got, Dina? So um, story. my school is a, my school's a one-to-one school. So all of our students have Chromebooks. Um, but having said that, there are, are also huge issues with Wi-Fi accessibility in certain parts of the county. So there are kids who, um, if they're, you know, caregiver while their parents are at work, it doesn't have it, then, you know, the kids don't have the accessibility of, of getting online, which... Hey, can you, real quick, I hate to interrupt, but people that aren't from Delaware, can you explain Sussex County and or the difference between where my school is versus Gerard's school versus your school? Sure. That might be interesting because Delaware is only like 109 miles from north to south. But it's a very different state. It's it it is, and so um, my school's in um, Sussex County, Delaware. So it Sussex County is a very rural area. Um, a good chunk of it is very rural. You know, you you take out you take out the beach area, <laughs> and it's very <laughs> rural. Um, so there are parts of Sussex County where kids don't have access to the internet. You know, so you have, you know, they, they don't have Wi-Fi, um, they don't have internet access. So the, the accessibility of that is difficult and even hotspots are sketchy. So yes, they are. Yeah. So it becomes, it becomes very problematic for some kids. Now, I hey, Gerard, the- you grew up down there, right? I'm sorry. Yep. And I, okay. <laughs> trust me, I know that reception. Yeah. It's, it's bad. There, um, there's a hunk of it where, it's it's spotty in my own building and then i when i'm headed home i'm on back roads for quite a bit of the of the drive and there's there's a hunk of it where i don't get cell phone reception so um it's so basically it what we found out was it's really it's really a very small population of our students that don't have access to wi-fi or they're not gonna most of them will have it for at least part of the two weeks that we're out so that part is, I guess, you know, we're thinking upside of that, that's, that's fine. But in the meantime, I'm like, I got contacted by a parent today. That's like, she, she's like, you know, 
my kid not having access to not having reliable access to Wi-Fi is is really stressful. You know, it's stressful for the parent, it's stressful for the kid. Um, so that was so that was a little bit of an issue. Um, there are kids today that basically they were told you're allowed to be in the building. If you left anything in your locker, you're allowed to be in the building from nine o'clock to twelve o'clock to pick up your stuff. Hey, I just um, thought of something. What about that? this? What if, could a kid come and sit in the parking lot and tap into the Wi-Fi because they would still be socially distanced? I don't know. Um. Yeah. Like I. I don't know <laughs> what the. Yeah. I think if they're engaging in social distancing, there's probably nothing wrong with that. Um. Yeah. You know, I. In their parents' car or just sit yeah, on the on the curb. Yeah. Know. So. Do you want to? Do you want to speak at all to your Zoom meeting, or you don't want to talk about that? Um, no, I can. I can talk about it. We so the um, we had a basically the gist of everything yesterday was you know prepare for you know you you don't have to use Zoom, but it is a technology that's available. But you need to put everything on Schoology, you know. So or whichever. I think my school at one point in time was using Google Classroom. And because the state of Delaware offers Schoology to all of the schools, they everybody kind of migrated over to Schoology as their learning management system. So what ended up happening is I thought about it. And I was like, you know what, there are kids who are nervous about this. Let me see if I have a couple that just don't mind kind of getting into a Zoom call so that we can just go ahead and, and answer questions. And it doesn't, certainly doesn't have to be everybody. And I, so I, I'm on remind. So I sent a remind message out and I had probably 20 people get back with me, both mix of parents and kids and say, yes, we're interested in doing this call. And basically it was me asking, can you do me a favor and participate in this call so I can work out the kinks and give you information that you might need. And 20 of them got back to me like within 10 minutes so I was like, great, I'll have 20 people on. So I explained to my team, because I'm on a, a team with um, four other eighth grade teachers. And I said, this is what I put out there. And they were like, great, can we go ahead and get on the call too? So we have that experience. And I was like, yeah, sure. I was expecting 25 people. It was 96. There were 96 people on this call last night. So People are nervous though. People are really nervous. People are very nervous about it. And especially when the parents were like, okay, a lot of people had never heard of Zoom before. You know, and I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what Zoom was until two years ago. So yeah. there were so many people who had no experience with it. And so a lot of parents were like, yeah, we want to make sure that, you know, our kids feel confident about what they're doing. So there were 96 people on and basically it started off with, let's talk about the etiquette that you need to have when you're doing an online class. It's just like a regular class. Um, you know, you, you log in, you use the link, you log in. Um, the chat feature is there to ask questions or to provide relevant comments, not as your own personal sounding board for shenanigans. Um, and then we also had to explain to them that they had to log in using their government name because we have people, you know, we had kids that were attempting to log in and not. You mean I can't be name. Dougie Fresh? I can't log in with Dougie Fresh on there. <laughs> Dougie yeah, Fresh, like, your own. Somebody, yeah, so we had some issues. Uh, oh, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to start beatboxing, but I'm all right. Go ahead. Oh, you just took me all the way back, Doug. <laughs> sorry. I'm like having I'm, I'm having flashbacks of being at the skating rink when I was a younger <laughs> there, no there was no coronavirus back then. Oh, goodness. We had other um, virus, but not that one. Go ahead. So we, um, it, it was basically, it started off with, with that. And then, um, kids were allowed to ask questions and they were asking some great questions. One of the questions was, do we have to be in our uniform when we're, when we're logged in? And, you know, and I was yeah. like, absolutely not. You know, we, I, I said, now we do prefer that you aren't wearing a shirt that has something inappropriate on it. Cause it, this is a school like setting, but I said, no, you don't have to be in uniform. And so we answered a lot of the questions and a lot of the kids felt a lot better after the call, but that still didn't, when work started going on to Schoology this morning, that the kids were all looking at these assignments and going, oh my gosh, how am I going to, how am I going to complete this? I like, I have kids emailing me going, I'm overwhelmed already. I like kids who have anxiety are even more anxious about what's going on. And, you know, a lot of them have just these major concerns that, they don't really talk about it in school that when I said, you know, I, I 
did a discussion board on Schoology and just for the purposes of getting them familiar with how to do the discussion board said, tell me what, you know, it's like, tell me what your weekend was like and talk about what your concerns and questions are about the coronavirus. Like being very candid about, you know, the, how their family is really struggling right now because, you know, they, they, they don't know what they're going to do. They can't, yeah. they can't get work. They, you know, it's, hold, it's stuff hold like that. that thought, Cause we're going to get into that. I think in a bit. But I think your story is really interesting so far. So, Gerard, is there anything – because we're definitely going to talk about how, like, I think our community, because we have that coming up. So, like, how is this going to affect our community? I think you can bring that up in a minute. But, Gerard, is there something else that you think that you want to share about something that you guys have done at your school or how you got work together or how you've been communicating with – I mean – a lot of our messages come straight from the district, which is totally legit and Same makes here. sense. You want, you want one message coming out. You don't want uh, my district saying something and then my school saying something completely different and then some other school down the street saying something really different. So I get it. But is there anything you want to add to that or should we move on to the next question? Yeah, um, we're in the same predicament as you. Everything came. One message, the alternate activities or choice boards came from the teach and learn department so us as administrators we just in a position of um, ensuring that everybody got that same information and um, ensuring teachers that they didn't have to for the time being worry about coming up with uh, certain things yeah so it's kind so of how do you on. think so Gerard, how is this going to affect your community do you think i mean how is this Especially maybe those marginalized communities, because I mean, up to this point, we've been talking about equity, but then all of a sudden coronavirus hit us in the face like no other. So, I mean, is there a way that this is going to affect your marginalized communities in a way that's different than communities that have, I mean, I was telling a story earlier, and I could tell the story again, but my own personal story about how this has affected me, and it's minimal, to be honest, and shamefully saying, not shamefully, but I'm saying it without you know, completely understanding that this is going to affect other communities in a much more difficult way. Do you want to share anything that you thought about with that or any experiences you've had with any of your community members? Yeah. Well, some of those marginalized communities, some of those kids, they don't have that. They may not have that support at home. So those uh, activities may not even get looked at as well as those students that uh, from those communities that thrive on that caring adult in those interactions outside of the home and outside of their community that helped them to grow. That's basically null and void right now, as well as those students from those communities that are struggling academically. It gives them a chance to like kind of disconnect from, from that educational piece and it may cause some of them to get further behind or, um, that kind of like tune out of school and not just looking for, for things to do. Whereas some other students that may already be from different communities that are already self-driven already, um, maybe out of school and just picking up books and reading on their own where a parent doesn't have to actually sit down with them. So a lot of different yeah. factors come into play. So one of the things that I heard about today, so, I mean, there's a lot of kids that are going to have to take on the role of the caregiver and or the older brother or sister have to be the caregiver for a while and they can't concentrate on other things that are important to their learning. And that's a struggle, I think, for them, because when you are thrust into a different role or maybe more of a role than what you're used to, it really pulls you back and or maybe not pulls you back, but kind of plateaus you a little bit. Another thing, too, that was brought up to me by one of our social workers in our building was kids that um, maybe are you know having some issues at home where, you know, they have the, you know, the threat of being abused for one way or the other, they're not going to have that advocate. Like every day when a kid comes to school, you know, they have the ability to say to a teacher, this or this or this happens. And as, you know, mandatory um, reporters, you know, I've had to report many issues of abuse. And I'm not talking about just parents. I'm just talking about like whoever might be abusing a child they're not going to have the opportunity to report those sort of things. And I know that kind of thing happens over the summer, like every summer, but this just seems a little different because we don't know. And if we're quarantining, they don't have any sort of way of getting to any sort of adult that's outside of 
those that are immediately around their area. Um, so something I didn't even think about, but she made a lot of sense. And I was like, wow, I didn't think about the fact that DFS calls are probably going to go way down for good or bad. I don't know, but it's just something I had not even thought about. And once you start opening up the scope of what this is going to mean and, and cause we've never quarantined ourselves ever as an American society nope. is against everything we believe in. Um, you know, we well, believe in freedom. And this is the opposite of freedom. Not that I want to. Not that I. I want to put everybody in a in a bad mood because you know there's <laughs> yeah. so much so much to pull from right now. Um, but you know, we all had the mandatory um, child sexual abuse training. You know, we all had to do that. And yeah. one of the statistics that they give you at the beginning of the training is you're looking at six and ten people, six and ten. Um, so yeah. yeah. And so when you start thinking about like what that might mean for kids, you know, it's, there's a very real possibility that kids are at home with their abusers or within reach of their abusers, even though we are practicing quarantining, you know, to some degree. Um, and so that's definitely something that we have to think on. And one of the things that that I had discussed with somebody last week is, you know, home is not a safe place for, for some kids. At all. And, you know, and so the idea of not being able to be with where you feel you are the safest, that adds a whole layer of complications and issues and, you know, trauma to, to kids that will be felt far after the this whole situation passes yeah and can i throw this out there because i you know when we say say things like home is not going to be a safe place for all kids i don't want my white people that listen to this to think because i know my previous bias would have said home is not a safe place to kids i would have immediately thought of kids of color and i want to make sure that my white people out there know that as much as there may be some issues in the communities that are that we're servicing with kids of color, there are as many issues, if not more, in those white communities that are just different than those in communities of color. And I and I just know from talking to some of my, you know, uh, families that it just is a different struggle. Um, for some of them. And it's it's not just a rural thing. Sometimes the upper middle class struggle with their white kids. I know, just personally speaking, I have issues at times with my kids where I'm like, you know, and I can just imagine that, you know, you have parents that are on prescription drugs constantly. I mean, I've talked to white educators who, who, are, who are dealing with white families where the mother and father are on prescription drugs and they're just checked out. And those kids are just... I mean, they might be million dollar homes, but the parents are just checked out and not involved. And those kids are experiencing issues as well. So I'm definitely not making this an all lives matter moment, but I also want to make sure that I don't, when I think about the kids that are struggling, just think about, oh, it's that kid that's growing up on second street in Wilmington. Like they're the one that's having a hard time right now. It's not, it's the kid that's also living in Hocaston. The kid that's also living in Greenville. The kid that's also living in Pike Creek but their struggle is just different. Like their trauma is just different, but it's still, you know, just it, it, it's hard in these times when you don't have the consistency of school and that's difficult. So. Yeah. And Doug, to piggyback off what you said, also those, those students, whereas they, they're actually coming from two great homes where they split time between mom and dad. Cause it's two separate households. But if we're quarantined, which house are they in? Right. Yeah. It definitely yeah, adds a, a, great a point. Great it adds point. a layer because um, you know, especially for parents with children who have, you know, learning disabilities or, you know, great point. Five, about that. IEPs and five oh fours, you know, the parent might not know the best way to make the accommodation. And so, you know, they're trying to help their kid. Um, but it's definitely a struggle. And anybody who has who is, you know, rearing children who are special needs, it's its own separate beast to deal with, you know, yeah. and, and my heart really goes out to anybody who, who is struggling in that way. Um, because, and it was dropped on them. Yes. Like Friday. Yeah. Yep. 
It wasn't like summer where you could like make sure that you had this or this or this or this camp or the school or you know ESY program setting up soon. You just gotta do this or this. Like we just don't know. So now it's like mom and dad, uncle, aunt, grandma, grandpa. Like you gotta deal now with this, and we and really have no support for you. One of my questions is for um, people who who have children with special needs who rely on respite care over the weekend, you know, because it's, they, you know, they have, um, um, you know, there's in respite care. So I'm wondering, like, how, how do you tackle that? You know, yeah, I was just wondering about that. I can speak about my brother. My brother is 43. He has Down syndrome. He lives in a group home, a great group home on North Bancroft Parkway. He lives with three guys and he is quote unquote self-quarantined right now. He FaceTimed me yesterday and he's struggling. He, he does not like to be there on the weekends. He usually goes with my mom on the weekends and he is not doing that. And he is struggling because he's still going to work. He works for Bank of America. He works in their mail room. Um, and he's going, he has a, he gets the, the bus there every day or whatever. But he called me. I mean, he never calls me on FaceTime because he, whatever, it's, it's a whole brother issue. But he called me on FaceTime yesterday and he was like, Dougie, what's up? And I'm like, Kevin, like, what's going on, man? And um, he was like, he wanted to hang out here and he hates being here because my kids are way too much for him. It's just, I mean, he's an old, he's older than me. You know what I mean? Just, I don't, I can't even deal with my kids sometimes and he just wants to hang out. But, you know, it's really funny, but. Yeah, I was like, all right, Kev, you can come hang out this weekend. Like, if you're still working this week, if you're not working this week, I can pick you up whatever day you stop working. But you can definitely hang out this weekend because he just wants to get out of the house. Like, they're not going to take him to the grocery store. They don't do their normal community things. And it's a struggle because he doesn't want to go to work and stay at home all day. Like, right. So, I mean, it affects adults and kids. I mean, it's just a whole gamut of stuff that's going on. All right, we're gonna jump back in these questions. You got more to just jump on on this. Um, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, it's a, well. I mean, the questions are always a good starting place. Go for it. All right, so I'm gonna jump down to uh, is online learning equitable? Anybody want to talk about online learning equitable? And then on top of that, maybe how can we make it a a bit of online and offline? And what can we do for kids at this point? Like, what have you guys heard? I mean, I've been seeing a thousand things on Twitter. You know, one of the things that I, I keep on seeing on Twitter is that I it's kind of bothering me a little bit is like famous people and or people that have a lot of like the blue uh, tag. They're saying, oh, teachers should be paid a billion dollars a year because I've been trying to teach my kid for one hour and I can't do it. I'm like, okay, all right. It's, it's a little bit sarcastic. It's a little bit like, all right, whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah, but I'm like, all right. I mean, I mean, this is something we agreed to do when we grew up and went to college to become an educator at some point. So it's fine. Just don't, you know, don't make it about you and the struggle you're having because it's, I don't know, whatever. So, I mean, that's one thing. But is there other things that we should talk about when it comes to this? And like online learning, is it equitable? Is there more we should do? Like, what do you guys think of with offline versus online? Do you guys have any thoughts around that? It's I. I mean, I could. I, I think all of us, in some way, shape, or form, could go on forever about the the pan equity with teachers and how you know we we should be paid as professionals because you know most a lot of us are have you know postgraduate degrees and you know we we could go on forever about that. Um, yeah. But the the really, I think one of the major issues that I see happening right now is that you have basically, as we just discussed, how people have been thrown into this situation. Um, we have teachers who don't feel adequately prepared to be able to deliver online instruction. And, yes. you know, if you follow um, people who have been doing this for a long time or did this for a long time. So I'm going to throw um, Paul France out there who has just, re- you know, he just released a whole book about personalized learning and, and what his experience was like and trying to do this and what we need to do to get it right Who's Paul France? Um, he's I one have of, no idea who this person is. He's one of the educators I've been following on. Um, I've been following on pretty much every social media platform for about huh. four years. Um, wow. And Paul is, Paul is phenomenal. Um, and he actually, he supported, I, I just want to say, he, he was one of the teachers that stepped up and supported my donors choose when I said I wanted to provide a more diverse selection of authors in my classroom, he was one of the people that stepped up and donated. So I, I owe a bit of gratitude to him for that. Um, but 
um, one of the things that, you know, he, he's talked about is how, you know, where you see problems when you're trying to implement something online, you know, and, and where some issues may come up with that. And he, he's very realistic about it. And one of the things that I, I have seen happening over the last couple of days is that, you know, you have educators who are trying to get basically a technology tool that they're not familiar with under some level of control. And technology implementation in terms of instructional technology is its own beast. And that's the reason why you specifically in every school district have a person who that's their job. You know, like right. it's their job to help people figure out how to use the tools effectively and scaffold in a way that's supposed to help them be able to integrate those tools, tools meaningfully. So you basically have a bunch of people who all of a sudden somebody went, by the way, here's the things. Now go do them with your kids and, you know, let's hope for the best. And so there's a lot of people trying to get that process under control in a way that they feel good about. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are completely unfamiliar with the tools that don't know how to use them, never saw them until Friday, and yep. they're completely nervous about it. And so a lot of the discussion that I was having on and off today is talking with my colleagues and saying, you know, what, like, what are you doing right now? What does that thing look like? Take a picture of it. Do you have an iPhone so we can FaceTime? You know, right. so you could show me where you're stuck and I can, I can talk you through it. So it's a lot of people talking each other down as well. And that adds a whole other layer of nervousness to what this is, but everybody is intent on getting it right. I can, I can say this with my school. Oh, everybody's all in. I'll say everybody's yeah. all in right now. Um, there has been what I feel to be, you know, as Mr. Rogers likes to point out the helpers um, that have been great about saying, okay, you don't know how to use that thing. Let me ease your mind and show you how to do it. Let me, let's talk about it. Let's, there have been a lot of people who've been doing that. And a lot of people who have in the education community that I've connected with over social media that have been reaching out and saying, how are you doing? You know, when you go, oh, okay, well, you know, this is, I'm fine. Everything's great. And then they go, no, how are you really doing? Yeah. And you're able to be honest and vulnerable and say, I'm doing this thing here and I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm scared that, you know, I'm going to further isolate kids who already feel isolated right now. Um, right. I'm scared about my own experience. You know, I'm at home all day with my kids also trying to do this other thing as well. And so there have been people who have been very supportive and, there for each other balanced out with the people who have swept in like sharks that are trying to make money off a situation mm -hmm. that it's basically oh. playing on people's fears and desperation, which yeah, is just don't not get me cool. started on that. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Exactly. So Gerard, you want to add anything to that Gerard about just, no, I think, how can we, go ahead. no, Dina's, she summed it up pretty well. And I'm looking at that question is online learning equitable. And my answer is twofold, yes and no, um, and partly because of some of the reason that Dina pointed out. Um, if the teacher isn't feeling comfortable and the student is anxious, um, that's definitely not equitable on both parts. And like she was saying, everybody trying to get caught up to speed and kind of being it being thrust on them, that right there is a challenge to um, – Equitability, equitable, yeah. being equitable. Yeah. And also, like, at what level are you going to assess all of this work? I mean, that still hasn't really been determined. I know mm -hmm. my district's put some things out, and I'm not going to share it in this podcast, but which I think I agree with. Um, I'll put that out. But um, so, how are you going to assess all of this? So, let's jump into like the next part of this. So, um, are, are there possible benefits of this whole experience? Like, out of all of this, craziness that I really can't even wrap my head around because nothing like this has ever happened. This is not a snowstorm. This is not a mid-length snowstorm in March where we're just like, ah, we're all chilling with the fire and shoveling our way out. Ah, we're going to come back and through because you know the snow's going to melt. It's like, okay, we're all good. You know, this isn't that. And we've experienced those things a lot. I mean, I remember a week and maybe a day or something of a snowstorm a couple years ago or maybe five, six, eight years ago, whatever. It doesn't matter. Those things are fine, but what are there possible benefits? Like, are there possible possible like things that are going to be so positive that come out of this? Because right now it seems so negative. Um, 
I, I mean, I go ahead, Troy. One one positive that's going to come out of this is educators like us and the ones we connect with through Twitter and Voxer in our respective locations and areas, we won't always be continue being looked at as like the Twitter geek or the Voxer geek or the blended learning geek or the online learning geek. Um, we are I, not geeks, Gerard. Stop it. You, you know, I got to cool. <laughs> as <laughs> and I'm not going to um, say the F word, but we are cool am, as F, so go ahead. I am, I, I am fully willing to admit the kind of geek that I am. No, I'm, I am I'm jumping geek. off. I wear that, I I wear that like what a badge of honor. <laughs> All right, Gerard, keep on going, man. But I'm like, I am no geek. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, now, it, it, like, we'll be looked at as a resource and people like, they don't realize if they come and have a conversation with people like us, like, hey, how can I get my kids doing this outside of the classroom instead of us spending so much time in the classroom? Like, we'll eat that stuff up. And it's like we can push the work forward in this area um, because now educators across the globe see the need for a healthy balance of online and offline and even those teachers that are that have always been apprehensive to technology, but deep down they're, they're strong and great educators and they want what's best for their students. And now they'll see, Hey, I need to switch it up a little bit um, mm-hmm. just to reach my kids. What about, what about your, what do you think about the family? So so you say for educators, they're going to have to get a little bit more online, right? Mm-hmm. So what about families thinking like, I mean, I know it's going to be a struggle for a lot of families because wage workers, especially are going to struggle. People in restaurants are going to hurt. People that work at like Walmart, if they shut that sort of thing down, are going to hurt. But is this an opportunity for people to reconnect with with their kids? And or let's just say the internet also shut down. I'm just putting that hypothetical out there. Like, do you think there's a place for that reconnecting to families and community here? Absolutely, because um, some family- you went to church tonight, right? Yep. And what happened there? Um, we just had to make some decisions um, moving forward with um, how we would be performing our services. And um, especially with the ban of, you know, 50 or less. And then with us having some um, older members and, you know, members with health concerns that would make them susceptible to this virus. So it gave us a chance to pick each other's brain and throw a lot on the table and, we got to see the the expertise um, that each one of us had in our respective areas. And it, it kind of is like it kind of bonded us close together because we were um, the things we the things that we were planning will actually, you know, help us build, build up, build our own um, Christian community. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick question. So how did you get. Did you get a call from the church? You guys in a text messaging group? Was there like a Facebook post? Like, how did you get the call to show up tonight? Because it's a Tuesday night. I don't, I don't know your necessarily religion, but I don't know that many religions meet on Tuesday nights. So, what what was that call out? How did you know to show up? Um, no, my my pastor he had he had mentioned to me on Sunday um, that you know as he's following the news and what the governor's saying, he knew that eventually. Um, the numbers were going to end up doing, cause when he first mentioned, I think the numbers was at like no group gathering larger than 250 or something like that. He knew that that number, he just knew that that number was coming down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when stuff came out yesterday, he texted last night and said, Hey, um, I think we need to have an emergency deacons meeting. Let's get everybody together. And he shot out a time and gotcha. he just had me send out a text and everybody so responded. How many, how many deacons are there? Like how many people met tonight? Um, two, one was, st- one was still at work and one is six. So, um, so altogether, small. altogether nine tonight. All right. Well, that's not that small. Yeah. All right. So, so you gathered tonight and we were talking earlier about how, when you bring other stakeholders to a meeting of utmost importance, especially in a time of crisis, you can create ideas because other people have their own experiences that aren't necessarily the experiences of the quote unquote, your pastor, the leader, right? So he has his experiences. You have your experiences. The other seven people that were there have their experiences and you can all bring those experiences to the table. 
So can you tell us a little bit about that conversation, a little bit about how, like what you came up with or. Um, yeah. Without like going into too much detail. Um, no, nah, I don't go. I mean, you don't have to go into yeah, detail. But like from, from the people that was in the room. Like how did it feel for you? Like, I mean, like you were probably like you played sports, right? When yep. you were growing up. Mm-hmm. So was it like your coach called you up, right? Yep. <laughs> like, I, I know, right? For, I need you for a captain's meeting like today, like captain's meeting. Like, and I'm like, all right. I'm there, captain's meeting, get all the captains in, all the leaders of the team. Like, you probably had, you were energized, right? Yeah, it's, it's like my, my voice had, all of our voices had meaning. and They had weight, right? Yeah, yeah, it reminded me of how my principal and I do a lot in the building. And it, it, it feels good because everybody feels empowered. Yeah. And they feel a part of the work where it's not that like they're just getting a message and they're just like regurgitating a message to the members. It's like I really am a part of this mission and this vision um, because I had a say in it on behalf of other stakeholders. Mm-hmm. I will. Uh, it's I want to jump in and say two things yeah. that, you know, because um, you guys, as you were talking, got me thinking about this, but um, earlier, um, Doug and Gerard, when you were talking about um, what are some possible benefits, one of the things that I, I have started to see a lot more clearly is who are natural experts and leaders in my building who have not been clearly identified as such by our administrative mm, staff. That's, that's, been a, that's been a key thing because we have, yeah. you know, we have somebody who is our like technology um, person and our schoology person. Um, but there have been people who have been stepping up that has kind of been experts in things that I wouldn't have anticipated had it not been for the situation. So that's been a benefit as it's like, I know inevitably that there are people I can go to for help with things Um, and in a way that feels comfortable and not like I'm putting somebody out, Mm. you know, which is, and I'm one of these types of people where I hate to feel like I'm bothering somebody else. And I know a lot of people feel like that. I'm like that too. Yeah. And I don't mind people. I'll bother bother you to know. (laughs) People can come to me. (laughs) People can come to me at any point in time and I don't mind it. And you would think that for somebody who doesn't care if people come to them for help, that I would not feel like I was bothering people, but I constantly feel like I'm bothering people. Um, So I, I know that I can, at any point in time, I can go seek these people out and they're experts and they can, they can help me through this. Um, and I, I think in terms of like where this kind of is going to have another long-term effect is that I have, I have been in situations before, and I can't remember if I had spoke about this on a previous podcast or not, but I want to. podcast you've been on? I'm sorry. Go ahead. You just have been about giving me a hard time tonight. I know. know, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Fine. It's fine. Um, In these times, these moments, we need levity. I'm telling you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I get it. (laughs) Um, Where you know, it's kind of like in the musical Hamilton. There's a song called "The Room Where It Happens," and you know, Aaron Burr talks about you know not being in the room where decisions are made and feeling that you're left out of that process. And I remember being in situations similar to that where it's like I can't believe that nobody asks me to be a part of this you know and it's like and I'm you know and I know that I'm knowledgeable in that I have great ideas and that I want to share that with people but it's like when your stakeholders and if you were a and this is just and I I don't have I'm saying this as a teacher who has no administrative experience but has leadership experience um if I know that I am knowledgeable when I'm not included in things where I would be an asset to what happens in the building and I'm completely untapped in terms of my knowledge and I'm not given a way to share that out, it makes me feel like I am not a part of that community. And that's been, that's that's big. That's been a struggle that I've had before. So I think that this is a really good opportunity for school leaders to be able to go, you know what, this person has stepped up and this person has stepped up and this person has stepped up in ways that I wasn't anticipating. Maybe I could use them for something else. And that person is just sitting there waiting for that moment. You know, it's like you're, you're the backup player on the team and you're just sitting there going, somebody get injured. 
you know, <laughs> like, I want to be able so, to go in. Yeah. I, Dina, you bring up such a big thing for me. Because as a school leader, I've tried to help identify and or support teacher leaders in this area, exactly what you're talking about. And it, at moments, there are times where I want to identify teacher leaders and allow them to do exactly what you're talking about. And there are moments when, so like with this, I had a lot of people that wanted to help out. And I just said to them, I just don't need you to help out with this because you haven't been at this since the ground zero. And I have my eight people that can do the packet pass out, the book thing, whatever. But I know that there are people that wanted to be there. And I felt horrible about saying just like for this particular thing, you just can't. Like, it's just, I, I just don't know how to explain because we were just already in it. And to catch you up, if you showed up at 1230, it would have just been too hard. And it would have just complicated things. But there are, besides coronavirus, multiple times where I feel like I probably should have and can have and would have done something differently. But I also know that and I can only take myself personally when I think when I, when I like when I'm self aware about who I am, like I don't stop. So like I, I and I don't know if you were speaking to like maybe you'll say something once and then if nothing happens then you'll stop like or not bother somebody. But I just feel like if you're going to want to be a leader, you have to be nonstop in pushing your leadership to be a leader. I don't know if that makes sense. It, but, it does. Um, and I think what I have struggled with before is that... It's hard um, recognizing it. I guess that's my point. It's hard recognizing it and it's hard finding you a spot or a role or a place when you have a lot of people doing the same thing. So if I have six people pushing me to do the same, to do leadership things, and I'm like, I, I just don't know what actually for you to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, maybe that's a, maybe that's you know, a self-reflection on me as a leader that I can't find things for them to do, but it is hard. It's, um, well, and I, it's, and I can only imagine. It's getting your foot in the door. Yeah. And I I can only imagine how difficult that is with everything that's going on, being an administrator during this time where you have, you know, it's like, you've got, you know, a hundred balls in the air and you're trying to juggle all of them, you know? So I, I can totally, you know, be empathetic of and appreciate that situation. Um, I think that for somebody like me, I had, so giving an example of something that happened to me years ago, um, there was a position when I was an instructional coach, there was a position that became available that would have been a, um, a promotion, not just in terms of pay, but it would have been a higher position for me to have moved into. And I felt like I couldn't apply for it. Because there were people who were told directly that you need to apply for that position. And when it's so when I had said to somebody said, you know, well, you should you should go out for that job. And I said, well, you know, I wasn't I wasn't asked to apply for it. And they said, well, it's not a matter of you being asked. You just need to put yourself out there. But even taking that into the building level, putting yourself out there is really hard. Yeah, you know, it's really your colleagues, you know, look at you a certain way or whatever. Well, too. and it's like you, you know, and if I, I've had administrators that I work under who I have a deep level of respect for, and I, I work under administrators right now that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, my hope is that they also respect the job that I do. I don't, I've not been told otherwise or felt otherwise. Um, but it's like, you can only go to your administrator so many times and say, you know, if you need me to do this thing, I'm here to support that. I, you know, if you need me to do this thing, I'm here to support that. You can only be told so many times, well, we'll keep that in mind without being used before you stop putting yourself out there. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I hear you. That's true. I hear that is so, so true. So, I think Gerard and I both feel your pain. <laughs> yes. We all I know. I know. You know, it's like, it, it's like, you know, it, it's like you have a, it's like you have a crush on a person and you can only say to that person so many times, you know, you want to, you want to go get coffee. You want to go get pizza. You want to go do this and, and then have them keep telling oh, you all the next just, time. You no, know, you just, you're just ripping the bandaid off. My God. <laughs> 
Gerard, why are you not jumping in here? She just man, she ripping, ain't off. She ripping one of them double band-aids off with Oh, <laughs> man, that's like a butterfly band-aid on my knee. Yes. After. Yeah. Well, and so, and all, and all I'm saying, and Tina, like I said. my God, that was rough. Like You're making like, me in my feelings right now. <laughs> I'm sweating. It's, I'm literally sweating right now. I and I in my basement. It's like 55 bringing, degrees. She's bringing that fire right now. Yeah. And, and I All know right, that Nina. you're. I know we're that in this podcast. Hold on. We're, we're at 45. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, um, but go ahead. For real. I I mean, we, we need to hear it. We need to hear it. I get it. Go ahead. Um, I know that your jobs as a, as administrators, there there are a lot of things that you have to have to juggle and deal with and. You know, and and I completely respect that, and I and I get it. Um, and it's hard for you to always remember that this person is going to want to do this thing, or is interested yeah. in this thing, or let me throw something at that at you know the way of that person so that they can have that you know thing that they're interested in doing. Um, it's hard. Um, so, so, so let me stop you real quick because I thought about something. How about that Zoom meeting last night? Did you ask him for permission for that? It's we were told we could that was a leadership it. move. Yeah, we were told that we could use it, and okay. um, we right. didn't. I didn't necessarily get the blessing of anybody to do it. Um, we just, I just kind of said, "Hey, you know," because my my thought is, I and and I was thinking clearly in two ways. One, I need to make sure that I ha- at least have it somewhat under control for when we start embedding in content. Um, sure. That was one thing. The other thing was, I kept thinking about my kids who were nervous and scared and yeah. didn't know what to do, and. I was like, you know what, maybe I can in some way, shape or form, help put them at ease a little bit. At the same time, they're helping me out, figuring out the technology. And yeah, I really- it was the right move. I'm just curious because that was right there, a leadership move that you made without necessarily asking for permission. You just did it. And then maybe you asked for forgiveness later if <laughs> something happened and they were like, Dina, you can't do that again. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, fine. but it's, um, Well, and I just, I, I also want to say too that I didn't perceive that as a leader move. It is a leader that move. Was, uh, Gerard, the, leader no, move or what? Leader, definitely leader move. Yeah. So I, and the reason why I'm kind of throwing that out there and saying is that it, that was not my perception. And what I want, what I'm hoping that both of you can understand too, is that people who are leaders don't oftentimes realize they are. You know, yeah. and it's agreed. They, they just don't. And so, one hundred percent. It just to me. I wasn't like, it wasn't, I wasn't looking at it going, what do I do as a leader? I was looking at it going, how do I best meet the needs of my students and myself? Right. And, and that's a possible benefit of this whole experience. I've had leadership show up in multiple ways. I had, I mean, people today volunteering. I've had people doing things through email. I've had people setting up read alouds. I've had People post this stuff to our Schoology page with links and resources. I mean, I've had leadership people showing up nonstop since Friday. Like, but I also can't be like, I mean, I, I just don't know how to thank them correctly or appreciate their their contribution correctly because I just share it to our school stuff. I'm like, hey, this was shared, or I didn't even say this was shared. I just put the link in there, like, check this out. But do I give them all credit? You know what I mean? Do I put like, ah. This was shared by Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. or I mean, the, the YouTube read-alouds are pretty obvious because mm-hmm. it's a teacher. But, I mean, so at, at what point do you have to acknowledge the leadership? And at what point do teachers feel that they're not being, you know, gotten the affirmation about what it is that they're doing? And, and that's where, especially in a time like this where we don't know what's going on, so last and on top of that, I'm also like crazy busy, at least until now. I'm, yeah. I'm free now. But until like when I came home today, I was like the building had to be cleaned. Refrigerators cleared out. I mean, it was like craziness. We had to like look in t- students' desks for like Cheez-Its because we don't want those staying there for a month and a half with ants <laughs> crawling around. Like, I mean, we literally like went through every kid's desk almost and it was like hands on all hands on deck. I was wearing a sweatshirt and, and Sweatpants. So I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend something to you, Doug. Um, yes, please do. Which is something I, I did last year. Gerard, um, are you listening to? Because you're with me. Yeah, I am. Because uh, wait, um, wait. Gerard, I'm, you need to chime in more here. This on this episode because no, talking to us. No, I'm gaining. I'm gaining so much right now. I'm actually being selfish. I'm gaining yeah, so much right yeah. now. Can you stop listening and start talking more? Because Dina, go ahead, Dina. Um, so when I was uh, the previous building I worked in, um, I 
asked, I asked my principal, I said, can I do, can I lead an activity during faculty meeting um, where you have each staff member recognize another staff member for something that they did? Right. And so what, what I did was I just, you know, took, this ended up becoming um, two boxes on one sheet of paper, but like in Google docs, I had typed up, like, I can't remember what the nomination form looked like, but it was, they had to talk about name the person and then what that person did, you know, that was um, helpful, beneficial, what have you. And then their names of that eventually went into a drawing for, I think it was like a $10 gift certificate from the school store or something like that. But um, it's that then you're not even really doing the work. Your staff is doing the work for you. um, And you have a chance to be able to read through at that point and go, okay, here are, are all the things that they did. And then you can share those out with your staff. Um, that's cool. So that's that's something that did work. If I could say that I led something, that would be one of the things that I led. But um, it, it ended up becoming, it was great for me to read through them because I saw really nice things that other people had shared out about the staff members that I thought were were valuable. And it's, it's always helpful to gain perspective. Perspective is always an awesome thing. But um, you're, it won't add to your load because you're basically having the staff do the work for you. The only thing you're doing is pulling and going, okay, these are staff members that need to be recognized for their contributions. And then you can right. add whatever you want to, to that, but it won't add a whole lot of extra work for you because you, your staff is going to do that. Yeah. Now, I mean, it, and we've gotten completely off topic, but one of the things that this year I committed to, at least to begin the year, was walking around. I just wanted to always have post-its in my pocket. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I saw something that was positive, I would just write a post-it, write it on my post-it notes, and then write the person's name. And then when I went back to the office, I would just stick that post-it in their mailbox. Like, oh, I noticed that you helped this kid, blah, 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 do this in the hallway or blah, 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 this. I mean, it was cafeteria workers or bus drivers, or not bus drivers because they don't have mailboxes, but... Parents, teachers, whatever, psychologists, it doesn't matter. So, and those those are so meaningful. And I don't, they I don't. Know and those and teachers put them up, and they yep. put them up on their wall. And yep. I noticed, like, I'm like, my post is up on your wall. Like, I mean, I was just like, hey, thank you for saying thank you to blah 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 or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I don't. Um, uh, <laughs> it is so cool though when you yeah. see that. I had it's one of. I know. Wonders. I forget. Tina, thank you for the reminders. <laughs> one of Gerard, the, where are you right yeah. now? Come on. Well, no, I'm, Can you jump in here and like own some of this because you know I'm. I got something big on my own once uh, Dina is done. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead, Dina. I was just going to say one of the you know big one of the most meaningful things that I got was when I when I did that activity um, with the staff. I heard from a department member who we both we have a mutual respect for each other, but it was I didn't understand that he had respected me as much as he did until I had gotten that. And so when I received those kinds of things from, from people I respect, you know, it, it, whole different relationship immediately. Yeah. And it, it makes you feel good because most of the time people do things for not for the recognition anyway, but when you, when you have a lot of respect for somebody and they recognize something that you did. It carries, it carries with you for a long time. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, that's cool. Um, my story yeah, was, true. my story was Doug, remember like back in January and I'm pretty sure you got an email about the, uh, the nominations for the K through six presidential awards for uh, mm-hmm. math and science. So yeah. I have an awesome teacher, which, I, which will remain nameless because she is so humble. And when I saw this, um, it's a teacher that every time you're in their classroom, it's always 100%. And she's a lower, one of the lower, she's a teacher in one of the lower grades. It's always 100% engagement. Even the most challenging students, she has, she's like locked into them. Um, mm-hmm. Even even the parent that's in the room, and she's had student teachers, if she has two or three adults in the room, everybody's working together. It's just not like the para or the student teacher is kind of like, um, monitoring or, um, you know, like the behavior person, like everybody's engaged in instruction, but like she doesn't, she's not the type of person that volunteers for stuff or, um, she just goes about her business of getting the job done. So yeah. I knew with the relationship I have with her, I was like, I don't want to nominate her without her knowing because if she got it, like she would be like, no, not me. So I had shot her email and I just said, um, that, 
I just shot her email with the four and I said, I must be honest. I'm extremely, extremely interested in nominating you. And I know you go about your business doing what's great for kids day in and day out. Um, but I believe you are deserving of honor because you are so humble about the work you do. And then I said, if you would prefer me not to have your name in the hat, that is fine as well. I just think you should know how great um, we think and know you are. And her response was um, so humbling. And, and she just basically said, you definitely know me. And she says that outside of, she says she's honored um, that I feel that she's deserving of that award. And she said, outside of myself, my principal and her colleagues recognizing her, that's enough to fill her bucket. And she didn't want, she didn't want me to put her name in the ring, but like she, she, said, she, fill, she said, fill her bucket. Yep. Oh, oh wow. That's awesome. And it's like, and I think as administrators, sometimes we got to, like some teachers just ain't, they ain't for all, like all that awards and all that stuff. But um, I think little things like that just keeps reaffirming in our mind that they are a leader in their own right, whether they want to put it out there or not. Cause any student teacher that's with her, um, I'll put my stamp approval. They worth, they're worth hiring if they spent time with her. Yeah. Mm. I'll tell you what, I, and I'll, and there are teachers that I think get jaded at some point, and I'm just talking globally. I don't think anybody goes into education not wanting to be awesome for kids. Just right. like no Agreed. parent right. has a child and doesn't love their child at some point. Now, that might change. And I th- I talked about Gabriel Gonzalez. Like, that mother didn't love that kid. And the Netflix special I'm talking about. Yeah. That parent didn't love that child, but I think when the child was born, she loved her child. Just like every teacher goes into education. Now, they might get jaded as they go through their process of educating, but you go into it wanting to do right by kids. You do. I I 100% agree with that. I don't know how it gets so far off topic. I think we only have one more thing to talk about. No, this was good. This was good because... This was good, but we got one more thing. (laughs) You know what it is at the bottom. You see the notes, right? <laughs> We're all laughing, but you got to find a black person in a time of crisis. <laughs> so, you this up. Do you want to start this off? I got nothing here. I mean, I'm a white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes. Like, Gerard, you want to talk about being black? People finding you in time of crisis? Like, you know someone. I love this one. Like, we got to get some levity in this because this was a serious podcast. There was a lot of truth. So why are we finding black people? Can it? So is it also brown people, or is it just black people? So I, I just want to say before we before we discuss this, I I want to say the same thing. I say every time something like this comes up, it is not a person of color's job to make me a better human. Okay, so I just want to say that. Okay, I, agree with that. Um, I love what she says. That. I do, I, yeah, no, it, I do it, reach out to black people just to make sure that I get my shit right, and I just cussed. So, so edit that out. <laughs> you're Damn. fine, Doug. You're fine. Um, <laughs> so it just I know from my own experiences that if I in if I'm stuck and I don't know what to do or I want it I want somebody to be honest with me. I am going to go find a black person. Like it just a black person is not going to do me wrong. It's just that's that's been my experience since my very early days of teaching and mm. um that and I'm like, you know, when we were having this conversation earlier, I'm like, am I the only person who, when something happens, I go seek out a black person because I know that I'm not going to be lied to, you know, I'm going to get told the truth and it might not always be what I want to hear, but that, I mean, that's, that's been my life, you know, for the, you know, 15 and a half years, almost 16 years that I've been in teaching. Yeah. Wow, love it. Do you want to throw anything? I mean, I can throw in my comment that I throw in every week because oh. every white person is afraid of being called a racist. So no, maybe just, when you seek out a black person, make sure you ain't going to be a racist. Yeah, I, Sorry, I just broke my chair. No, I, right, I, I, the, the piggyback off Dina, I just like, I'm just going to be straight up with people. Like on Friday, teachers came to me, asked me, um, because, you know, certain information was coming out um, that we had to relate to them that came from um, our district. And they would ask, um, do you think we'll be here next week or do you think we're closing? I said, I don't know. I haven't um, haven't gained any information about that. And as soon as, you know, my person went out, find out definitely a, con- a concise message would be coming down. And they was like, well, what do you think? And I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. Me, myself, I'm taking everything home. In the event something does turn for the worse, um, 
I have all the stuff I need to work from home. And worst case scenario, I'm going to lug everything back on Monday. And <laughs> that was a straight up answer. Yeah. Can I can I ask you one more? And if you don't want to answer this, Gerard, I totally respect it. But when your pastor calls you in tonight, mm-hmm. I'm assuming it was all black people in that meeting, right? You know it. Right. <laughs> you know. So it. when it's all, it was all black men or the women too. No, all black men. All black men, nine of you, right? Yep. So how much straight talk was that? Was it truth or in a space? Because I know a lot of people that are listening to this podcast probably have never been in a meeting of all black people. I know I haven't been in a meeting of all black men and just sat and listened. Is it? Is it? Is it? especially for my white friends out there that are white males. Was that a moment of truth? Was it a moment of let's get shit together? I just cussed again. Was it a moment of let's like get this stuff together? Or what is, what was that moment like? Cause Dina asked a great question and I think she's correct. I think we go to our black friends for the truth, but when amongst black people, is it the same thing or is it different? No, it's the same. Like it was okay. a, it was truth. We all, we all throughout reality because once, okay. once that message gets out to the members, it's not going to be a message of ambiguity and people still having follow up questions. It's, um, we met as a team. This is what is best for know. the church as a body. Right. And this, this right. is what, right. this is what we're doing. And if anything changes, um, we will definitely be reaching back out with everybody, but and we need to get back together. Yep, we um actually we we're gonna get back together Sunday afternoon, um okay. because we 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 want to watch and see what's happening um by our governor and our president and everything, and we want to do everything in accordance with what the government and the law is uh, suggesting, as long as well as um the Center for Disease Control. We definitely want to yeah. we want to be in line with all of that. Well, the CDC is important. I, you know, I only bring that up and I only bring that up and, and I know I kind of baited you and I didn't let you know ahead of time that that was going to come up. But oh, no, you're that good. question. No, but I mean, the reason why I bring it up, cause I know when like a bunch of white dudes, like males <laughs> get together, like we don't speak the truth. Like we will joke, we'll laugh, we'll make like a, what this comment here, this comment there. But when it comes to like, reality like i know in my circle of friends and i can and they'll probably may or may not listen to this podcast when i bring up things about race and speak the truth about those sort of things and coming back to equity and i know we're coronavirus and we're an hour into this but they lie they lie and they hide and they tell me i'm wrong and it's not an honest conversation like the honesty goes away immediately in my circle of white friends, especially my white friends from uh, the, my, my male white friends. And I'm not talking about colleagues at all. I'm not talking teachers at all. I'm talking my friends. And I just also know from talking to black people that in their circle of friends, those conversations about race and equity are real. Like this is your experience. This is your experience. This is what I saw. This person's cool. This person's cool. This person's cool. Did you hear what they said? Hear what they said. My conversations are like, no, shut up stop don't do it you're this you're that and they're talking to me and i'm like i'm what i am what i am what what am i i am you not only am i you i'm a better you than you because i'm bigger and stronger than you i mean like i don't even understand where you're coming from and it's so frustrating because they never open up and talk about this and as much as i push and I love my friends, and just, and I don't want to talk about all of them. There are many of them that have had the conversation with me, and many of them are, are on board and getting there. But it's really hard, and it's a struggle. And they're not educators. They're not. They're just my friends. They're just my friends, and we can talk about a million things that aren't race-related and have fun and joke about it. And they at least have stopped making jokes that are insensitive. Cause they know where I'm coming from and they know I'll call them out and then know that I like, literally I'll be like, no, I'm done. Like I'm going to leave if you keep this up, but it happens. It does happen. And, and again, I'm come from the mid Atlantic, Delaware. Like, like we're supposedly progressive, but no. anyway, I, that's why I asked. So I'm sorry. Oh no, Doug, I got, I got a follow up question for you. Have, go ahead, go ahead. Have, have you ever been in a meeting where let's say it's all males and there's only maybe one black male or one, black female out of the whole meeting 
Yeah. Okay. Multi- uh, the, uh, a million times. Have you? Maybe and, not a million, but a lot. Yeah. And cor- correct me if I'm wrong. Have you noticed that a lot of times the the responses or the perspective from the black, the one black male or the one black female may be looked at like, wow, like get a silence because their approach, not their, not their approach, but maybe their, it was, it was more raw or uncut or straight up honest than maybe some of the other feedback. Yes. And to that point, even they have been interrupted and not allowed to, oh, Jesus, yep. I just said we're running out of safe space on the oh. podcast. <laughs> oh. All right, so we got to wrap this up, but it has been interrupted to the point where um, they can't continue on that conversation. So let's talk about that again. But yes, unfortunately, I just got a quote exceeded error. Let's end this here so we can save this. Yes. <laughs> but we need to come back to that because I, yeah, they've been interrupted and been like dismissed. Mm-hmm. Like their opinion wasn't even matter. Didn't even matter. So, so am I like, I'm, we're not still recording in the episode right now, are we? We are. So okay. give us, give me like 15 seconds to throw okay. the uh, intro outro out and then we gotta get out. <laughs> All right. This is speaking educationally <laughs> with uh, Doug, Dina, and where I'm coming from. 15 years into education now, you know, what can I do to create this equitable space? And, like, you know, what. And especially for those students um, that look like me and that came from uh, my community, I wanted to be an influencer for them, like for young people. Connect with more people whose mindset and goals. All right, this is speaking educationally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard.